good news, right? Good news. Good news. Boy, I tell you, these, where's our video guys? These guys are incredible. They, they keep me laughing. I think Jeremy's down in Florida today, isn't he? So we're missing him. We've got a lot of travelers. We have some that are struggling through the beach. We have some that, I think one couple's struggling through Hawaii. Uh, we have some that are at weddings. Some just visiting. Some just away, I'm telling you. But I would love to struggle with some of those at the beach or Hawaii. How about you? But we also have some at home that are not doing well, and they're struggling in their physical bodies. And I know we prayed earlier for those that are sick, but I want to just mention their names and pray for them. And two are both Becky's, <laughs> Becky Robbins, who has hurt her leg or knee something, uh, but she's out today, and she'll be getting that looked at this week. But also Becky Hammond, who's going through, uh, you know, treatment for cancer, and uh, the treatment is it's really kind of tough to deal with the treatment. And she's struggling with that. So I want us, if we, if you would just stand in agreement with me, that we're going to pray for both Beckys. And maybe there's others. I know Becky's husband, John, needs prayer. He has some things going on in his body. But we believe God heals, don't we? Absolutely we believe God heals. So, Lord, we thank you, Father God, that you are Jehovah Rapha. Father, for those who came forward, I thank you. As Pastor Zach prayed for those that, Lord, they are healed. It is done. By the stripes on your back, they were healed. Father, for our Beckys that are out, Becky Hammett, Becky Robbins, we pray speedy healing in their bodies, total, complete healing, supernatural, miraculous healing. God, just be God in their life. Be that supernatural authority, Lord, that you, Lord, you told your disciples all authority was given to you. So, God, I thank you that you have authority over cancer. You have authority over broken or, or, or misplaced bones or whatever it might be. Father, you have, you have authority over diabetes. You have authority over dementia. You have authority over kidney diseases. Father, we just declare everyone healed and whole in Jesus' mighty name. And we give you glory for it. We praise you, God, for it. And we thank you, God, for it. Amen. Amen, amen. So it's so good to see you. And I just want to say thanks to all those who helped with the or participate in my brother's memorial service yesterday. It was just such a precious presence of God in this place. And and uh, it was good to see the, for the family to see the love of the, of the church and just see the love of God. The presence was incredible here yesterday, just sweet, sweet. And so I really do appreciate all of that. And, and Pastor Dan, Pastor Zach, and Nicole, and Tom, they were so helpful. And, and oh, so many. I don't know, Deborah and Wayne, they were all just helping do things that, needed to be done so we so appreciate it and um so today is resurrection sunday why do we need resurrection power why do we need why do you need resurrection do you even know you have resurrection power most believers aren't even aware they have resurrection power well we need resurrection power because matthew 28 18 through 20 jesus told his disciples he said i've been given all authority now you go so we need the resurrection power. The resurrection power is what established Jesus as the authority in the heavens and in the earth. So we need to understand that that same power that he has, that same authority he has, he gave to us to go out and make disciples. How many of us can make disciples without authority and power? When we prayed over those needs that were put on that cross, we were taking authority away from the powers of darkness and putting them back where they belonged in the hand of God. We need to know who we are. And, and one of the main things or the main problems that we saw was self-worth or not feeling worthy. And, you know, that's easy. We, we run into that a lot in, in some of the things that we do. It's just people, I'm just not good enough. I'm not worthy. And what does it do? It causes all kinds. It causes us not to walk with authority that we should be walking in. When Jesus says, go make disciples, I'm not worthy. 
I'm not good enough. Who, me? I can't talk to someone. Why not? You have resurrection power inside of you. Yeah, we, we say it all the time. When you go into a place, things should change. The atmosphere should change because you've got the power of God residing in you. So we should have, but if we don't believe that or don't know that, or we might know it intellectually, but is it in our heart? Do we walk into a place and think we're going to bust hell wide open but because hell's in this place, darkness is in this place, we're just going to go in and bust out all this darkness? Sometimes we don't think that way, do we? We go in and we'll say, ooh, it feels weird in here, and then we just walk out and nothing has changed. We need to take authority. The resurrection power that raised Jesus was the ultimate establishment of the authority of Christ in the earth. If he had not been raised, he would not be established as the authority in the heavens and in the earth. And we have to understand, it was God's show and tell. It was his show and tell about what he was doing in the earth and what he has done for us. It wasn't just an event that happened 2,000 years ago and we just pack it away in history. No, it's for us. Everything he did was for us. And we have to, let me tell you, all of those things that were put on the cross, and I think most of you came up. I got to nail some things up there myself. Let me tell you, it's only because we're not walking in the power that God has made available for us. We need to kick the devil in the behind side, the back side, out of our life, out of our lives of our children. I was talking to a couple yesterday, and, and they're just all tore up because their their daughter is not living the way that they want them to live. I just knew. You know, most of us that have children or grandchildren, we have one or two that we kind of have to kind of pull back in or through prayer, right? But everything was kind of out of their mouth was, woe is me. I said, speak. I said don't lose hope of the promise. So we got to speak to what God's word says. I said, this is what God says about your child. You and your household will be saved. That's what he says. That's what you have to speak. Don't give the devil the victory. Well, she wasn't raised that way. Of course they weren't raised that way, but that's not your fault. Well, she blames me. That's not your fault. No, the devil wants to blame who he's the accuser, isn't he? We have to know who we are. We have to know who we are. So the resurrection was the greatest day in history. But it's also the greatest day in the present. This, we have resurrection power every single day. Resurrection power every single day. And we have to learn how to walk in that power. But I think God has been so removed from the people. So removed. And we've had this, even in the Old Testament, we've been reading about the people had to go through the, the, the uh, priest to get to the holy place, to get to God's presence, really. And they never really could get in there. We think the same today. Well, i got to go ask the pastor to pray for this. Or i got to call up my buddy to pray for that. You pray. You take authority because you have the same power in you that anyone else does. We just need to learn to walk in it. Hebrews 4.16 says, So now we come freely and boldly to where love is enthroned, to receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weakness. We come, we come boldly. Do we do that? Do we come boldly before the throne? We should. Or do we come cowering down, you know, beaten down? See, it's what it, faith is what moves God, not our whining, not even our need. It's our faith. Without faith, you know, we can't please God. It's our faith that pleases God, and we need to come to Him in faith. Let me just tell you a few things that the Word of God says about all of us. Now, at first, is Romans one seventeen. It says the good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. This is accomplished from the start to finish by what? Faith. Faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. So it says God has made us right in his sight. 
See, we have a hard time believing that because we think, well, I got to I got to do the dance, I got to jump through the hoops, and then God's going to like me better today. And then if I slip up this afternoon, God's mad at me. I got to go do the dance tomorrow, jump through the hoops tomorrow. Do, do we ever feel? Do we ever find ourselves guilty of that? Romans three twenty four. Yet God, in His grace, freely makes us right in His sight. He did this how through Christ Jesus. He did it through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sin. Romans 4, 6 says, David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. You've been declared righteous without works. It's by faith. If you believe in Christ, you have been declared righteous. What does it mean to declare something? If you owe me $10 and I say, Kelly, I'm declaring you the bill paid. You had nothing to do with it, did you? I just declared it paid, and I, you have to receive it, right? But if you keep wrong, no, 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 i got to pay you back. i got to pay you back. So, no, you're going to wear me down. I'm going to say, okay, give me the 10 bucks. Just get out of my face. That's what I'm going to say. But see, God, when God declares us right, it's a statement that he makes. It's a fact that he, it's, it's actually a financial term and a legal term. We'll talk about that in a moment. David spoke about these things a long time ago. Romans 8, 1 says, now the case is closed. There remain, let me say, say the case is closed. The case is closed against me. There is, there remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. The case is closed, Right? All right, now when you get up tomorrow, I want you to, when the devil starts speaking something into your ear, remember the devil condemns, right? God never condemns you. The devil condemns. So when he comes speaking into your ear and telling you what a sorry person you are, that you can't do this and you made this mistake and all this, you say, no, 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 the case is closed. We talked about that last week when we can, you know, those warrants. Those warrants got stricken on the cross, didn't they? Those warrants got stricken. But, you know, that accusing voice is going to say things like, I'm not enough. It's going to say things like, I've made too many mistakes. I'll never be able to do this. I'll never be able to have that. I can't break this sinful habit. This, this problem is much too great for even God. We were talking, Oh, Lori was telling us about a testimony she had with somebody who said, this changing our nation is just too much for God. I don't know if God can do it. Well, poor pitiful person. And she loves God. She just doesn't know the truth, right? God can do all things. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We don't think we're good enough because we don't understand whose we are. See, when we don't know whose we are, we don't, under, we don't believe we're good enough. When you understand the price God paid for you, when you understand that you are his masterpiece, Ephesians 2.10 tells us, when you understand in Psalm 139, it says, every day of your life was written in his book. Every day of your life. When you understand that it, the word says that I have a plan for you, a plan for good and welfare and peace. So when you understand that we begin to walk different and think different and talk different, we need to act like we got a little toot on us, right? We need to walk around like we, we're the king's kids. No, I'm not talking about arrogance. I'm talking about confidence in who we are. Arrogance to the devil. You have no right in my family, devil. You have no right in my kids' life, my children's life, my grandkids, my dogs, whoever it might be. By the way, pray for my dogs. They're having surgery tomorrow. Just a little commercial. Okay. Both of them are having knee surgery. So, so you're the knee. So anyway, back to that. God loves animals. The righteous man cares for his animals. That's what the Word of God tells us. 
So they're going to come in on crutches tomorrow. But anyway, <laughs> we said we're doing both at one time so mom and pop can survive. Yeah. But a lot of times we listen to a lie of the enemy. When he'll, and we'll say things like, God, you just don't know what I've done. God knows exactly what you've done. He even, he even knows things you don't remember that you've done, right? But God says you're righteous. See, we might say I can't do, but God says you can do everything in Christ that I've given you to do. Everything. You might think God's mad at you. A lot of times people think God's angry at them. Why? If God was going to be angry at you, I think he would have, he'd let us know, right? God took all of his anger on Christ on the cross. Has anybody in here not made a mistake sometime in their lives? <laughs> Lori's laughing. <laughs> Thank God for First John 1. I said that yesterday at my brother's service. Thank God for First John 1, 9. God knew we were going to mess up, right? He knew we were going to. He said, but when you do, all you got to do is repent, and I'll be faithful to forgive you and to cleanse you. But see, it requires that relationship with God. It's, it's not presumptuous faith. It's not saying, well, I'm going to go ahead and do this because I know God will forgive me. You could get in real trouble doing that, right? Your heart can get hardened. We don't want to do that kind of silly thing. Romans 4.25, I love this. We looked at this last week. Jesus has handed over, was handed over to be crucified for the forgiveness of our sin. Hallelujah, right? But what if it just stopped there? Gosh, how about tomorrow, Jesus? You're going to be crucified again? How about next week? You can be crucified again? And then it says, and he was raised back to life to prove that he made us right with God. So aren't we glad it didn't end with the grave? We're so thankful it did not end with the grave. 1 Corinthians 6.11 says, And such were some of you, talking about how some of us were. Let me just read 10 and tell us how some of us were. He said, Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers who inherit the kingdom of heaven. And such of, some of you, such of those were. And it says, But you were washed. You were washed. You used to do these things, but you're washed now. Act like you're washed. You know, you ever had your kids go out and get dirty and you come in, you clean them up, and you're getting ready to go somewhere and say, now you're clean. Now stay clean for a minute. We're going to go somewhere. And that's what he said. Just stay clean. And then he's saying, you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That word justified is the act of declaring a verdict that someone in, is in full accordance with the requirements of the law of God. In other words, let me repeat. I mess that up. The act of declaring a verdict that someone is in full accordance with all the requirements of the law. Now you're saying, you know, what is God on that he's thinking that I'm in full, you know, compliance with the law? God says, I've declared you that way whether you are or not. Because you're trusting in my son. See, it's the blood of Jesus that covers all of this. Is when our hearts are repentant. And then verse 30 of, of uh, 1 says, And because of him who are, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. See, so when our hearts are clean, our bodies are going to follow our hearts, right? That's why it's so important that our hearts be clean. It's, this is not just a bunch of legalistic rules. You know, you follow these five rules, you're going to make it. And no, I want your heart clean because your body's going to follow your heart. And when our heart is cleansed, our body will follow our hearts. When our heart is not cleansed, our body is going to follow. That's why John could say, if you're still sinning and you're comfortable in it, you've never known him. See, if, you're, if we're still in sin and we're okay with that, we've never known him because our hearts haven't really been cleansed. 
and our bodies are going to follow our hearts, just like our mouth follows our heart, right? The abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So our hearts have to be cleansed. Our hearts, this is all predicated on the fact that we have received Christ and that we have received forgiveness for our sins. It's not just a formula. So Jesus made us righteous. He gave us wisdom. He gave us sanctification, and he gave us justification. And sometimes we struggle with the definition or what the difference is between justification and sanctification. It's a big difference. We've got to understand this, okay? Justification is declared by God as the righteous judge. Just I declare Kelly, I'm not, but God would declare Kelly righteous. And you might say, well, I know Kelly. She is not righteous all the time. Kevin might say that. No, he wouldn't. He wants to live, right? So Kelly, but see, God said, no, no, no. She's covered by the blood. See, devil, it, the case is closed. You can't bring up what happened a year ago, six years ago, five years ago. The case is closed against her. I have declared her righteous. It's a one-time act. But see, sanctification is, is, is executed by God, the Holy Spirit, as a recreator, where saint justification was the judge. The, uh, the justification is the declaration toward man. Sanctification is the work within man. So we see she has been declared righteous, but now the sanctification power of God is making you righteous as you continue to do the work in Christ, in the Word. It removes guilt and punishment and positions man in a state of right relationship where sanctification cleanses you from the sin that pollutes our hearts and our souls. Is this making any sense? There's a big difference between justification and sanctification. Justification is a one-time act. Sanctification is a process. It's a process. So God declares us clean and, and pure. Sanctification is a work that's really making us to become in the image of Christ and transformed into that image. So we're coming up to where God has declared that we are. Justification is a position. Sanctification is a process. Okay? So it, we <laughs> let me give you an example. Let's just say a person comes into court. And let's say that he is he's a drug addict or something. And he really wants help. And he comes to the judge. And he really does, he's done all this bad stuff. He's done things that would put him in jail. And the judge says, says, no, I've declared you innocent. I've declared you free. And I'm not going to hold your guilt against you. Well, that's wonderful, except it does nothing to help that guy with his drug addiction problem. So what does the judge do? The judge says there's a sanctification process that needs to take place. I'm going to send along, along with you someone who's going to help you with your addiction problem. So see, the judge has declared him innocent, but he's also given him help. He's declared him justified, but now he's going to give him help to get sanctified. And that's what God does. The Holy Spirit is the one who helps us to become pure after God has declared us to be righteous. And sanctification always follows justification. Always, always. And so without sanctification, we're forced to deal with the consequences of sin only. When we, when we have not, when we have not, uh, not given a way to deal with this sin problem because we still have the, the fleshly nature, don't we? You know, when you got born again, did you get rid of all the anger that you had, all the guilt that you had? Did you get rid of all the lust that you had? Well, a lot of that might have gone away. You Maybe you didn't go out and do some things, but you still had to struggle with some inner things that were going on. How do I know this? Because we treat people all the time who love God and struggling. 
men, on the average, about 60-70% of men view pornography that are believers in the church. Serious problem. Well, but they've been justified. They've been justified. Now they need to be sanctified. There's people that have positionally been justified by God as, as pure and, and right in his sight, but yet they have a they need to be sanctified from gossip, strife, backbiting, lying, <laughs> and all these other things. And if they allow Holy Spirit to do the work inside them, this is why we can have so many people nail things to the cross that they're struggling with because the devil has convinced them that they might be positionally justified, but they can't walk in that yet. They're not allowed to walk in that because they're constantly being condemned. Well, you know what you did? You know you slipped. You know you said this. You know you did that. You know you had this thought. So we have Holy Spirit in us once we're justified to bring sanctification so we can walk in the holiness of God and we can become like him. See, Jesus' resurrection declared us not guilty to our past sin, but it does not give us the authority or the right to remain in that sinful state. So God provided the remedy for that through the sanctification of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's why Jesus says it's very important that I go away, that I can send the Holy Spirit. Here's our counselor. It would be nothing worse than to, to be positionally saved but to walk in frustration all your life because you can't overcome the power of the enemy. Read the book of Romans slowly. Slowly. And it's exactly what it's about. Paul is saying, I'm constantly warring spirit against the flesh. Spirit against the flesh. We are no different, are we? But you know what? You can walk in victory. We can all walk in victory if we begin to change this right here. I tell you, Zach, I'm a little jealous that all these young people are getting this, this new group here. So maybe we have to start one for the older people. So of uh, changing our mind and learning how to think differently and learning how to live differently. We can, only, we can never live above our thoughts, by the way. And if you see yourself as defeated, you're never going to live anything but defeated. If you see yourself as a sinful old, you know, I hate it when somebody says, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Well, you need to get out of that grave and get up and be resurrected and walk in the power of, of victory and do something more than just walk around moaning about your sin, right? Or believing you're going to be stuck in that all of your life. The power of the enemy is, is very strong in our lives if we allow it. I've heard believers tell me the devil calls my name. The devil will pull me to this or the devil will pull me. And I'm saying, God, forgive me when they, when they do give in to it. And they have. But, you know, we don't have to give in. We don't have to give in. Ephesians 1.19 says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realm. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with myself. Let me tell you with himself. Let me tell you something. If we walk... And all that Zach, Zach, you need to send all those declarations out to the church. If we walk in the authority and we just speak those declarations over our lives every day, when we get up, your day is going to be different. My day will be different. We have to learn to walk in what God's word says. We have to reckon ourselves dead to these sinful passions of the flesh. And when you have a desire just to think negatively, 
said, no, I've nailed that to the cross. When you have that desire to think lustful thoughts, no, I've nailed that to the cross. When you'd have the desire to be angry with someone, no, I've nailed that to the cross, even if they deserve it in, in the natural mind, right, or jealousy or discord, whatever it might be. We No, I've, I've reckoned myself dead to that. You have to change the way we think. If we don't, we're going to live in the defeat of the enemy. We have to change the way we think. We have the same power available to us that raised Christ from the dead. Can we even process that? The same power that pulled Jesus out of that tomb is available to us. Can we believe that? But it's power for what? Not just to talk about, not just to talk about on Sunday morning. It's power to live life victoriously. Don't accept anything that the devil tries to hand you about yourself or your family or your children or your grandchildren or your finances. You get in harmony with God. When we get in harmony with God, suddenly he says he's given to us wisdom. See, God's wisdom is available. He's given to us righteousness, sanctification, redemption. God has made that for us, for each one of us. Well, I don't know what to do. God's given to you wisdom. If you feel like you're perplexed, God, you've given to me wisdom. You have to speak what God says about you. Don't say what the enemy says about you. So many times we have, we have people, I don't know where to go. I don't know who to, what to do in life. I don't know. My, my, God's given you wisdom. Have you sought God about it? Have you asked God what he wants you to do? He'll give you the wisdom. Paul told Timothy the influences that would come into the world. You know these are the same influences that are here today? I think it's worse. I mean, because it's spread out through, you know, so much of the media. But in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 4, this is what Paul said was going to come in the last days. See if this sounds familiar. Great times of great stress and struggle. Can we say that sounds familiar today? Anybody under stress today? Shouldn't be. We shouldn't be, but the, but the world is under stress, right? How about lovers of self, utterly self-centered, filled with conceit? I do what benefits me, what's in it for me. We see that in the church a lot, what's in it for me. It's the very opposite of what Jesus said. You know, he, he took on the, the humility of, of, of God. He took on to become a servant for God, for us. Number three, lovers of money and greedy desire for wealth. Greed causes corruption. Are we seeing that today? I was talking to my, my doctor. I had my checkup this week, and and uh, he's just going through the things and COVID. And, and I said, yeah, but I said, we took the um, ivermectin, and I said, we just, just like that, bounced back. He said, where'd you get it? And he said, because I can't prescribe it. And I said, I'm not telling you where I got it. <laughs> I, have a, I have other doctor friends. And uh, he said, I know it works, but I can't prescribe it. Why can't he prescribe? Because he works in a system that's being fed by the greed. He said, I know it works. I have, I have clients or patients that come in and tell me that it works. I've read reports that it works. He read the same things that I read. He said, but I can't prescribe it. Proud, arrogant boasters. Abusive blasphemers. Abuse is rampant. God has scoffed at today like never before. You turn on the news and Christian, we, we've been made fools. See, we're, we no longer have the home field advantage. We no longer have the home field advantage in our own nation. Someone showed up on Facebook something in 1956. It was a picture of New York City over Easter weekend, and it was crosses on all the buildings. Was that not beautiful? That was beautiful. God let that come back again. 
Today we have all kind of, you know, homosexual stuff flying and all kind of perverted stuff. And we've got idols that we've established in even in our own Washington, D.C. It's, it's a shame what this nation has become. God is scoffed at. He's, he's disrespected. How about disobedient and ungrateful, without natural affection, homosexuality, abortion, bestiality, all of these things, slanderers. We see the media, politics, people just slandering each other, slandering God. Nobody, I mean, it depends, you know, any way you want to look at it. If I'm on a certain side of the, the political aisle, I have to twist it whether it's truth or not. I was talking to somebody, I don't know, somebody yesterday, I believe it was, or someday they said that they were talking to a realtor and they were chastised over telling a person the truth about a house. And they were they were told, no, that's not the way you make money. So they, you, you know, you tell them what is not true because they were trying to hide something. Oh, it was my daughter-in-law was telling me. And she said a friend was telling her that the realtor told her a certain thing about the house and it wasn't true. And somebody else said, well, that's not true. And she said, no, this is the way we make money. This was Concord, by the way. Supposedly a Christian. Supposedly ran for office and lost, right? Hallelujah. I tell you, we have got to stand up as believers. We have got to stand up, with, and regardless of what what the price might be, we have to stand up. The day is coming. We told you this a year ago. God had told us the line in the sand is being drawn very clearly. And you and I have to decide which side we're going to be on. Lovers of sensual pleasure and entertainment. Sports has taken over everything, and there's not a thing wrong with sports in its place, but it's taken over everything. It's taken over our youth. It's taken over our, our Sundays. We cancel church to go to sport events. Sex is in everything. Paul is speaking of the church, not the world, by the way. Let me just clarify that. In Second Timothy 3, 5, he says the church will have the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. So you and I have the power to live above these influences. Philippians 3, 10 says, For my determined purpose is that I may know him. Is that our determined purpose, to know Christ? My determined purpose is that I might know him. What does that look like in reality? Well, I went to church Sunday. A lot of people go to church on Sunday that don't care about knowing about Christ. For my determined purpose is that I might know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. I encourage you to be a part of a face-to-face. That's what we're going to be looking at is becoming more intimate, maintaining that intimacy with God. It's not a bunch of rules and regulations. It's simply choices we make to put ourselves in a place where God's grace can operate in our life. It's that, it's that intentional pursuit of God. And we've lost that. The church world has lost that intentional pursuit of God. Everything has become so mechanical. We just go to church on Sunday because that's what we're supposed to do. We go to church on Wednesday, that's what we're supposed to do. Well, what about are we pursuing God with all of our heart? Does he mean more to us than anything else that we have in life? Is he our number one focus? Can we say that we're, our determined purpose is that I can know him and the power of his resurrection? And that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection. See, one precedes the other. If you want the power, you've got to have the intimacy. If you want the power, you've got to have the resurrection power in your life. 
which it exerts over believers, and that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed. See, it's a process. We never get there till we see him. We're never going to get there till we see him. We're never going to be like him till we see him. It's a progressive work within us because we have this war going on, the flesh against the spirit. Now, some of us should be further along than we were a year ago or five years ago or 40 years ago. But see, we've progressively come to become looking like him, more like him. To his death in the hope that if possible I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead even while in the body. Powerful scripture. Power of his resurrection. Progressively more like him. I want you to just think about it. Ask yourself, have I become more like Christ in the last year? Have I become more like him in the last since I accepted him as Lord and Savior? Am I still struggling with the same old things? Do I still have the same old passions? Do I still have the same old oops, slips? Am I still going to him for the same old forgive me, God? For these same old things. He he will forgive us, but he wants to help and pull us out of that. See, that's what sanctification's about. You know, we have to do our part, and this is a problem that sometimes we don't understand. I know when I was blessed when I went to college and I had my tuition paid, my textbooks were paid for, everything was paid for. And I was so blessed for that. But you know what? I had to do my part. I couldn't just go and say, hey, I'm here, I'm, my way's paid. And I, had to, I still had to do my work to get that diploma, right? So it's the same thing. God has made the way for us. He's paid the way for us. He's made us total, you know, he, he actually paid our tuition. The Holy Spirit wrote our books, right, our, our, our textbooks. But we still have to do our part. We still have to be willing to learn, to change, to become everything that we're supposed to become, to use the opportunity wisely that God has given to us. We've been given everything that's necessary. Again, I want to read 310, and I just want to itemize. Number one, we have to have a desire to know him. And we, we come to know him by experience. To know him. How do we know him best when we're going through trials and struggles, don't we? That's, how we, that's kind of the quick path to get to know God. But we know him through relationship. We know through spending time with him, listening to the voice, hearing the voice. That sweet voice. You know, he would like to preempt some of our struggles if we would just listen. He'd like to preempt some of our decisions if we just listen and say, he said, don't do that. But we do it anyway, and what do we do? We get ourselves in a mess, and we call out to God, and he'll say, okay, come on. He's going to put us back in where we need to be, forgive us, going to send us back through the test again, right? Everybody had to, Anybody had to take a test more than once? Number two, we have to experience the power of, You know how to experience the power of God is to put yourself in a place where the power can operate. If you want to experience healing power, pray for someone that's sick. Don't just talk about it. Oh, I'll pray for you. Lay hands on them that moment and pray for them. If you want to experience the deliverance power of God, find somebody that's got a demon and pray for them, that demon to come out of them. So yeah, that's the only way we're going to experience the power. Experience means I'm doing something. It's not all head knowledge. Many times we as believers here again, because we don't know who we are, I'm not good enough. What do we do? I'll go get the pastor to pray for you. Pray for him yourself. I can't say it enough. Fellowship with his sufferings. Participating in his, that's the sufferings of the flesh. Putting down those, those desires and conforming ourselves to the way he walked. Jesus says, if you, the word says that if you say you belong to him, you've got to walk like he walks. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. 
The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. If you can get righteous by coming to church, following a list, reading an hour, praying an hour, and doing nothing else, you're you're trying to obtain righteousness through the law and through works. It's not going to happen. It comes through faith in him. We can do nothing that he doesn't enable us to do. For I just gave you this scripture, 1 John 2, 5 and 6, but the love of God will be perfected within the one who obeys God's word. We can be sure that if we've truly come to live in intimacy with God, not just by saying I'm intimate with God, but while walking in the footsteps of Jesus. Are we walking? You can pray nine hours a day, read the word the rest of the time, and get up and walk in anger and violence and sin and jealousy and strife. You're not walking like Christ walked. You might have the intellectual knowledge, but you don't have the resurrection power in our lives. We have to walk it out. We have to live it out. Resurrection power. How many wants resurrection power? I know most of you are walking in resurrection power. Maybe all of you. I don't know. All the others are gone, right? (laughs) Not really. They're definitely in resurrection power. Some that aren't here, no doubt. But resurrection power is really the restoration of your God identity. I want you to stand. I want you to stand like a king's kid. Stand like you belong to God. Sit yourself back up a little bit. Get your shoulders back. Let them know who you are. The case is closed, right? Every sin was closed. Every case of sin was closed against you. The devil can bring nothing up in you. Let me tell you what resurrection power does. It gives you the power to be an overcomer. How many of you need to overcome in something? Yeah, I know you do because I read the list. I had a couple things myself. We need to overcome, right? But see, we're a work in progress. None of us have arrived. I'm not looking down at you because you have this one. I have something else over here. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's insecurity. Maybe it's doubt. Why would God use me? Why would God love me? Because his word says he does. That's all you have to know. He said he did. He said he did. So you have power to be an overcomer. You have power to be an imitator of Christ. You can walk like Christ walked. As you take a step, you know, you just do the next right thing. You just do the next right thing. You just do the next right thing. That's all it is. A moment by moment, choice by choice, decision to do the next right thing. That's how we walk like Christ walked. We have the power to thrive in life. Let me tell you, God expects his people to be prosperous and successful. You believe that? Poverty was on some of those sheets. A spirit of poverty. That's a curse. We read those last week. God does not expect you to be poor. He expects you to be blessed. How are you going to bless others if you're too poor to bless anyone? How are we going to do, take care of the needs of the kingdom if you can't even take care of your own needs? You shouldn't be worrying about your power getting turned off or your mortgage getting repossessed or whatever. You're losing your car because you're a king's kid. to thrive where aren't you thriving is your marriage thriving should be are your children thriving
power to win. You could be a winner in life. You're the head, not the tail. Above only and not beneath. You should never be beneath. Always above. That's God's plan for you. It's never His plan for you to be a loser. You look at all the people that God used mightily. They had to go through a time of testing. Why, why did they have to do that? Because God is a meanie? No. Because he had to work out the stuff. They had, that was their method of sanctification. Joseph was in the prison for 13 years. Why? He had to go through the process where he could be used in the way God wanted him to be used. He didn't have the Holy Spirit working in him like we do. See, I think we can have crash courses now. I really believe that. I believe the Holy Spirit is there to say, don't do this, do that. And that's what we should be instantly obedient. We can walk like he walked. I just want, I just want our, our people, yesterday we had family from out of town, friends from out of town, and they couldn't get over the beauty of the church, the love of the people. One of my nieces told me, she's just a young thing, she said, every time I come in here it gets prettier and prettier. For you know, a young kid to notice that. And it's because God's blessing is here. And we all as staff, we, we want to represent God well. We represent Him well in the way the church looks, the way the carpet looks, the way the bathrooms look. Donna T and I were out this week ordering stuff for the little toilet things. I said, because it's not excellence for God to have, have the rolls off the toilet paper holders. That might be silly for you, but I said, we want to represent God with excellence in everything we do. It's not about numbers. It's about power. How much power do we have coming out of Impact Church? That's all we care about. We should have more power of more numbers, but that's not always the case. Sometimes the numbers can take away from the power. An overcomer, an imitator, a thriver, and a winner. That's who you are. Where's Pastor Zach? Pastor Zach, I want you to come and declare again those scriptures, will you? I want you to remember these. He's going to send these out to you. And I want you every day to get up and declare what God says about you. Remember, God is for you. He's not against you. If he did what he did for us, what in the world will he not do today if he did what he did 2,000 years ago? Thank you. There is some copies in the back table I printed in. So you can take them home with you. Or if you would like a digital copy, we'll send you an email. So here we go. You are alive with Christ. You are far from oppression and will not live in fear. You are born of God and the evil one cannot touch you. You are holy without blame before him in love. You are holy and without blame before him in love. You have the mind of Christ. You have the peace of God that surpass all understanding. The spirit of God, who is greater than the enemy in the world, lives in you. God supplies all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You can do whatever you need to do in life through Christ Jesus who gives you strength. You are a new creation in Christ. You are more than a conqueror 
through him who loves you. You are the righteousness of God. You have right standing with him in Christ Jesus. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You belong to him. You are the light of the world. You are chosen by God, forgiven and justified through Christ. You have a compassionate heart, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. You have been rescued from the power of darkness, brought into God's kingdom. You have been redeemed from the curse of sin, sickness, and poverty. You are healed and whole in Jesus. You are loved by God. You are strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. You are not ruled by fear because the Holy Spirit lives in you and gives you his power, love, and self-control. God chooses you. God chooses you. God chooses you. I would like to just take a moment, if you can, just close your eyes. And I want you to picture and hear what God says about you. What God says about you. Just for a moment. He loves you. You're healed. You're whole. You're the light of the world. You are a new thing. You have the mind of Christ. You are alive in him. You can do it. You can do it. You can have success. You're good enough. You're his son and daughter. You're able. You're worthy. So, Father, we just thank you. We thank you. You're awesome. You're awesome, Father. I would like to maybe challenge you guys. We're entering into Pentecost season. Separate the distractions and get away into your place. And allow God to tell you who you are. Get away from the TV, the news, the Facebook, the whatevers. And actually hear from your father what he says about you. Not by what our world says. Not by what 
our wounds that we give them to the Lord because you're good. You're good. You're good. And he loves you. He loves you. I just, uh, as we, as Pastor Zach was declaring some of the things, the thought just came to me that some of you may be hanging on to an idea or a dream God has given you. Be here Wednesday night anyway, because I am Joseph. It's about dreams and destiny. But the Lord was showing me that there may be some here that's got a, a dream or an idea, and you go, I'm not, a, I'm not smart enough. Well, you know what? Let me tell you, you aren't smart enough. That's why God said, I give to you my wisdom. None of us are smart enough. The problem is, is when we get the dream and we think we are smart enough, we run on without his wisdom. So we might need to sit for a minute and say, okay, God, yeah, you put this in my heart to do. You've given me this dream, this vision. I need your wisdom now to make it come to pass. I need your wisdom to be a parent, to be a, 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 a spouse, to be a believer. I need your wisdom. See, that's the humility part of, of Philippians. That's the humility part of what Jesus, he submitted himself. He needed God's wisdom. He spent time with God in prayer and in relationship. Because he needed that wisdom. We need the wisdom of God. And let's not run ahead and think, well, I can do this because I've got the mind of Christ. Well, do you? Do we? we? We do have the mind of Christ, but we have to sit in his, God, I need your thoughts on this. I need your wisdom. There's been times when we have run the other way. We thought, okay, God said do it. Let's just go do it. And we did come up with all these ideas. You spent a lot of time, a lot of energy, and a lot of resources. God said, no, I've got a way to make this happen if you'll just sit still and listen and take my wisdom in. So that's for somebody. So if you've been struggling and feel like you've been a little hamster on a wheel, just stop, get off the hamster wheel, and just sit and say, okay, God, I need to know what you want me to do and receive from you. There's a sign-up sheet in the back for Wednesday night. If you're going to have food, a meal with us, please sign that sheet up. Sign up on that sheet. And this has been a crazy weekend. Sign that sheet up. Sign you up on the sheet. And um, we want you to join us, but we want we need a head count. So be a part. That's 6 to 6.30. We're stopping about 6.25, so the food goes up. So don't come in here at 6.35. Where's the food? It's gone. Okay. Love you guys. Have a great week. <laughs>